0: In our series called The New Normal, we have gone through several stops. The first stop was keep moving. We learned that you must move in the direction in which God has purposed and envisioned for your life. The second stop was be okay with God's way. Sometimes we are not okay with God's way, but spiritual maturity requires us to be okay with god's way last week we took the stop false prophets don't profit we learned that the message that you hear especially in a new normal is crucial and you need to ask and weigh is this message coming from god or is it coming from somebody else today we come to stop number four if you have your bibles uh whether physically or digitally Could you please turn to John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. I want to read this morning from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Once again, John chapter 20, verses 1 to number 18. I'll give you a little time to get there. I've been playing around in my head, thinking, okay, should I read the whole passage, or should I just read a few verses? Uh, But this morning, I'm feeling the inspiration just to read the entirety of the passage, so that we get a full context of what is happening, and so that we understand. For those of you who are turning, this passage deals with the reaction of the disciples to the resurrection of Jesus, Uh, because when Jesus Christ died, it created a new normal. This man who had been with them for three years was now taken away all of the sudden. But what was even more strange was that this man had resurrected from the grave. And they were not exactly 100% sure how to respond to the situation. You get what I'm saying? That sometimes things happen in your life that uh, you don't expect or you have an idea that they will happen. But when they happen, you're really surprised. And this is what we have in John chapter 20. So let me begin reading in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. Take note of that. And saw at a distance that the tomb had been taken away, that the stone, the tombstone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, listen to the message, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple With the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping in to look, he saw at a distance the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw, observed. Now notice the difference. He observed the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. This linen cloth was isolated. It was in quarantine. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw. This is different now. He saw, in other words, he experienced or it dawned on him and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now watch the camera shift the scene right here. Watch the shift. But Mary stood weeping. In other words, she was broken outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw, she observed, two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why Are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw, observed, Jesus standing, but did not see or recognize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why? Are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Mm -mm -mm -mm. It's going to get good in a minute. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This text captures my attention. Mary weeps, but she weeps beside the tomb. And I ask myself, why is she weeping beside the tomb? So I have chained this text to the title, Where Are You Weeping? Where are you weeping? Would you bow with me? Let us pray. Dear God. Thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus resurrected early on Sunday morning. An earthquake shook the place where he rested. An angel of God descended and rolled away the stone. From the mouth of the tomb. Jesus rested in Joseph's rock cut out tomb. He breathed his last breath on Friday afternoon, but it was late. That means that burial rites were not concluded or finished. And because of Jewish law, there was no way that he could be prepared for burial burial on Sabbath. But they put him in the grave anyway. You see, rock-cut-out tombs contained more than one body. They laid in them more than one body. To reduce the smell of dead bodies, decomposing bodies, ladies would rub dead bodies with oil and spices. So Jesus was laid in the tomb, flat on a bench, and he started the decomposing process. So Mary and her friends, respecting the Sabbath, did not finish the burial rites of Jesus. Now, you know that before we bury somebody, we prepare their body for burial. And so these ladies realized that Jesus is in the grave, but he's not fully prepared for burial. And so they decided to go and finish the job that was needed to be finished. And I'm amazed by these ladies because even though Jesus had died and that a new home had been created, that their Lord was no longer there, they still decided to finish the job. I'm going to help somebody in a minute right now. They could have developed the lazy woman complex and told themselves, Jesus is already in the grave. Why bother and go and anoint his body and and, and prepare him for burial? He's already inside. But they persisted in... The diligent woman complex, which means that I will do whatever I need to do until the job is finished. I'm not helping you yet, but I'm getting there. And as they are completing and fulfilling the duty that they, uh, they, they, they need to finish, they come to the tomb and they realize that the tomb is empty. What they didn't realize is that in carrying out their duty for Jesus, Jesus was about to perform an amazing, I mean, God had performed something wonderful for them. Let me help you for a second. When you do your duty for God, when you do your duty for mankind, when you do your duty for society, you will see some of God's greatest actions on your behalf. As they get to the tomb, they realize that the tomb has been Opened and that Jesus has come out of the grave. My brother and my sister, you want to see God do the amazing for you, you want to see God come through for you. Allow me to tell you this morning that you need to do your duty. Do not get lazy, but get diligent. Do not develop the lazy man complex. Continue in the diligent man complex. Fulfill the duty that God has laid on your hands. Fulfill the duty that is in front of you and get to the finish line. And I promise you when you get to the finish line and when you get there, you're going to see God do amazing things on your behalf. Do I have a witness this morning? What amazed me is that when the ladies are going to the tomb, they were conversating with one another. And Matthew records the conversation. And this is the conversation. Who is going to roll the stone away for us? They were going to the tomb praying that the tomb would be moved away. Because as ladies, they realized that they didn't have the strength to move the tomb they didn't have the strength or the capability to, to, to move the tomb so they needed somebody to help them but they were going anyway and God is so good because he can read our minds he can see what we're thinking and he can actually deploy his resources before we get to the place He can actually answer the prayer before we get there. But when they get there, they are not jubilant. They don't dance at the sight of an empty tomb. Their their body is filled with chills. But they don't move their body. It furbergasted my mind that here is a prayer that has been answered, but the people are not happy at the at the the ladies are not happy and joyful at what God has done, they are afraid at what God has done. Could it be that sometimes when God has removed the stone from our lives, when God has removed the stone of discouragement. When God has removed the stone of doubt, when God has removed the stone of disease, when God has removed the stone of debt, when God has removed the stone of depression, when God has removed the, 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 the debt of misapprehension, when God has removed the stone of, of consternation, that instead of us being joyful at the prayer that has been answered by God, we are afraid at the prayer that has been answered by God. And I have learned to understand that God is not going to answer your prayer in the way you pray your prayer. God is not going to answer your prayer in the way you envision your prayer. God is going to answer your prayer in the way he envisions for your life, in the way he sees that the prayer should be answered. So God answers their prayer. God answers their prayer, and boy, am I glad that the stone was rolled away. And I want you to know, my brother and my sister, that God still rolls away stones. And some of us, we are in the tomb, and we need God to roll away our stone. This morning, I'm here to tell you that God is able to roll away the stone. No matter how big the stone is, you may not be able to move the stone, but God can send an angel who can move the stone. Oh, (laughs) I want you to know, my brother, my sister, that God is on your side. God is looking out for you. God has your back. And if you can only go to the tomb, if you can only to the duty. If you can only start moving and if you can only start grooving and start doing what you know you need to do, then you're going to see the stone rolled away. But I'm not here to talk about the stone being rolled away. I'm here to look at this woman called Mary. Why was she standing and weeping beside the tomb? You see, Mary looks at the empty tomb. She doesn't uh, dance and she doesn't jump, uh, jump in, 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 in jubilation. She turns away and she runs and she comes comes to uh peter and the other disciple whom jesus loved and she tells the other disciple and peter that they have taken away the body of the lord and we do not know where they have laid him the news must have made peter and and the other disciple whom jesus loved shake their head Uh, mary and i just want to imagine mary are you telling us that the body of jesus is not there are you telling us that the body has escaped are you telling us that somebody has stolen it away mary is that what you're saying mary responds simon peter and 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 you the other disciple i want you to know that that's what i have seen with my own eyes so they had to investigate and i call them the dbi the disciple bureau of investigation and so they take off and they are running to the tomb and the bible says that the other disciple He outran Peter and he got to the tomb first. And when he got to the tomb first, he looked into the tomb, he stooped in, he saw, Yeah, there's nobody there, but he didn't go in. He became a security guard. And I can feel him right now because I don't know about you, but I myself wouldn't have gone into an empty tomb. When I was little, where my grandmother lived and where her church was, there was a cemetery in between. And so, as we would be going to a church on Sabbath, we had to pass the cemetery and meet. being afraid of the cemetery and dead bodies i would always run past the cemetery to church and run past the cemetery to my grandmama's house and i understand peter i mean john the the other disciple right here he's like man i'm not about to go in i got here first but i'm not gonna be first (laughs) and so peter like a truck arrives finally and peter does not wait and stand outside and because the the entry to rock cut out tombs was about 3 feet high or 0.91 meters tall it means that he had to bend and he doesn't he not only bends but he gets on his knees and he crawls into the tomb he crawls into the tomb and when he crawls into the tomb, he looks at the bench where the body of Jesus had previously lain on Friday and on Sabbath. And there he looks at that, that, that slab of stone and the body of Jesus is not there. But on that slab, there is a cloth that had been covering the body of Jesus and there on that slab there is the face cloth that had been over the face of jesus but over separated and then the message comes clear and he's observing this situation oh yeah jesus really is not there and I, I just want to imagine that he he took the cloth and he looked at it and he said yeah jesus is really not here here is the the mouth the the, the face cloth okay he's, he's not there he's he's observing. The other disciple whom Jesus loved follows Peter into the tomb and he sees and the text says he believes. Peter investigated the situation and he was thinking about the situation. The other disciple investigated, didn't investigate, but he saw and then it dawned on him and then he believed. What did he believe? He believed that this man called Jesus is no longer in the grave. Peter saw... Peter studied, Peter observed, but he didn't believe. This other disciple, whom Jesus loved, he observed and he didn't observe, he he believed when he saw. Uh, sometimes seeing is not believing, but believing is seeing. You don't need all the evidence to believe in God. You don't need to investigate and to study Genesis to Revelation. You don't need to know every Bible verse for you to believe in God. Some of us we are waiting to believe in God we still want to study the issue we still want to figure it out my brother and sister you don't need to figure it out if it makes sense enough it's enough to believe in God these disciples they look at the situation and it clicks in the other disciple and the other disciple tells Peter Peter I want you to know that Jesus left he resurrected he did a death break He has left this situation, and the text says they believed. But look at verse number 10, verse number 9. It says, they had yet not fully understood the scripture that he must rise from the grave. They believed without all the evidence. And after believing that this savior of theirs had disappeared, he had left the tomb, they went back to the upper room. Now I want you to see that the the camera leaves the disciples. They go out of the tomb. They go back home. The camera focuses now back on Mary. Mary is this woman who loves the Lord. And she comes back to the tomb. And she stands by the tomb. And she is weeping. They have taken away my Lord. My Lord is no longer here. They've taken him away and she is weeping beside the tomb and weeping and crying. She had seen the road away stone at a distance and she ran and told Peter and the other disciple. And then it dawned on her, I actually have been preaching that the body is not there but I haven't looked into the tomb. (laughs) She made an assumption without investigation so she says you know what let me at least look in and see what's inside and she stoops in and she looks and she's been crying it's been tough they've taken away my lord she's sad and upset and and she looks and she wipes she wipes her eyes and and she looks in the tomb and and there she realizes that I can stand crying, but in order to look, I need to stoop in. Oh, I want to help somebody. I, you know, I can stand crying, but in order to look in, I need to stoop. So she stoops in and she clears up her eyes, the tears out of her eyes. She sees two angels in white sitting. One is sitting at the feet of Jesus, the other one is sitting. At the head of Jesus. And their sitting plan communicates the idea that truly this man had resurrected from the dead. That this man is no longer here. Now one of the things that makes me shake my head here in Jakarta is when I see a driver. Either a go either a grab bike or any other bike driving the wrong way against traffic. sometimes I'm jogging and I'm running and I'm seeing this driver is facing me. And I'm like, brother, you're supposed to be going that way. Why are you coming this way? But he's going against traffic. And I shake my head at that situation. But you know what would be more shocking? Is if I saw that driver driving the wrong way in reverse. You see, Mary was shocked. And the disciples were shocked because it didn't make sense that... Jesus should resurrect from the grave. It didn't make sense that this man should rise up. But you know what? If I was to ask you a question, I believe, I've never seen it. I believe that somebody in Jakarta has driven their bike or their car against traffic in reverse. I'm sure it has happened. I haven't seen it, but I just want to imagine that it has happened. Now, you see, Mary had heard And I'm sure she had seen that Lazarus has been resurrected from the grave. And she was shocked at a situation that she shouldn't have been shocked at. But the reason why she was shocked is because the the thing that God did, did not suit the expectation that she had. Oh, let me bring it to you, my brother and my sister, one more time. We have expectations of God. We want God to do certain things. We want God to lead us in, the, in this particular way. But when God doesn't do according to our expectations, though we know that God can do that, we hear in the word of God that God, God can do that, yet when it happens, we are shocked at the situation. Mary shouldn't have been crying Mary should have been smiling because Jesus had resurrected a man called Lazarus. Jesus had touched a woman's child on the way to the cemetery. Jesus had done the improbable. But when he actually does it, when it actually happens, to her and she can see it she is shocked at this situation and i wonder if somebody is listening to me that god is answering your prayer that god is giving you what you need but when you look at what god is giving you and what god has done for you you don't say praise the lord you say lord what is this mess lord what is going on i don't understand the lord surely works in mysterious ways The angels asked Mary a question. Woman, who are you seeking? Woman, why are you weeping? And she responds to the question, they have taken away my Lord don't know where they have they have put him i don't understand it i don't get it i don't see it but it doesn't click in her mind that jesus has done a death break she doesn't get it all she wants is the dead body but she doesn't know that jesus christ is a living body and so she turns away from the tomb because she's like these angels cannot help me (laughs) how funny that is that they're trying to help her but she doesn't see that they're trying to help her you know sometimes help is right in the front of our eyes but we can't see that they're trying to help her and so she turns away from the tomb she stops she says now that situation is not helping me i need the body and she turns away and there in her line of sight is jesus and Jesus asks her a question. And the question is, and he repeats the same question Woman, why are you crying? And then he follows up the question Who are you seeking? Now, Jesus knows that she's hunting the body of Jesus. <laughs> But he wants the light to come on. He wants it to click. The man who resurrected a dead man from the dead. Can he not resurrect from the dead? He wants it to click. That the one who said to that little girl, arise. He wants it to click, but the light doesn't come on. The light doesn't come on. She remains in the darkness of misapprehension, consternation, and discouragement. And in supposing him and thinking that he's a gardener, she says uh, to Jesus, and she begs, sir, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where he is that I may go and get him. This is the first time and the only time in the New Testament that the word gardener is used. And the word means a guard or somebody who watches. She supposes Jesus to be a gardener or somebody watching or caretaking the situation. And and you know what we do with guards, right? You know what we pay guards for, right? We pay guards to watch our interests and our valuables. They take care of what's important. They stand at the door of our gates. They stand at the door of our houses. They stand at the door of our companies. They stand at the door of malls. They stand at the door of airports. And they stand at the door of uh, hotel resorts. They're there to guard and to protect. They're there to watch and look over. And she supposes Jesus to be her God. He's there guarding her interest. She's thinking that he's the one who guards her interest. And I want to believe that when there is a new normal, we consider God as our our guard, as one who is watching over our situation. And when the situation has occurred, that situation we don't understand, that situation that don't make sense, we start to ask God, God, where is my job? Where have you put my job? Lord, where is my wealth? Where have you put my wealth? Lord, where is my health? Where have you put my health? Lord, where is my my family? Where have you put my family? Lord, where is my relationship? Where have you put my relationship? Lord, where is my influence? Where have you put my influence? Lord, where have you put it? Just tell me where it is and I'm going to find it. Tell me where you have laid it and I'm going to I'm going to get it. And we think that in our own strength, in our own ability, we can actually get the thing that we have lost. And how sad it is that we think we can do it on our own. I have news for you. You can't do it on your own. I have news for you. You are not as good as you think. I have news for you. You are human. You are just a man. I have news for you. You are not as strong. That is why you cannot get it by yourself. That is why it will not come back by your efforts and your own abilities. You must go to God, but do not treat God as your gardener. Do not treat God as the one who is guarding your interest. Rather, you need to realize and to understand that you are his interest, that you are the most important thing and he is interested in you more than what you have lost. But the funny thing is, many of us are Interested in what we have lost. And not interested in the one who can get it back for us. Woman. Woman, why are you weeping? You shouldn't be weeping. You should be celebrating. So Jesus speaks. He says, Mary. He calls her by name. I'm not good with names. I tend to forget names. But Jesus never forgets your name. One writer says, God has engraven us on the palm of his hands. When God looks at his palm, he sees the name Henry Temple. When God looks at the palm of his hands, he sees the name Gunawan. When God looks at the palm of His hands He sees the name Mark. When God looks at the palm of His hand He sees the name Erwan Ritonga. When God looks at the palm of His hands He sees the name Frankie Linton. When God looks at the palm of His hands, He sees Jakarta Central Church. When God looks at the palm of His hands He sees the Seventh-day Adventist Church. When God looks at the palm of His hands, He sees His own people. God knows you by name. To borrow the words of Tommy Walker in the song, he, 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 he sings, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tease that falls. And hears me where I call. That is God. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see a statistic. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a prison number. When God sees at you, he doesn't see an account number. When God looks at you, he knows your name. He knows your thoughts. He knows every tear that falls. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what challenge you have. But I'm here to declare by the grace of God and by the power invested in my thought and in my throat. And I want you to know that God knows your name. It don't matter what you face. It don't matter what you're going through. But God has your back. And right now, I want you to know he's calling. He's calling you by name. He's saying, I got your back. Don't worry. We are together in this situation. I will take care of you. God will be with you. He will sustain you. Just respond. And I love the way Mary responded to her Lord. She says, "Rabuni." She she called him by the name that she knew him by. She called him a teacher because he had taught her how to live a life free from demon possession. He had taught her how to be dedicated to him. He had taught her how to save a year's wage to just simply anoint the feet of Jesus. He had taught her what it meant to be a changed person. And therefore, at this moment, she says, Rabboni, because she really needed to be taught, because it seems to me that there was a gap in knowledge, she failed the quiz. Because the quiz was, when you see the empty tomb, the answer should be jubilation and and dancing but she failed the quiz because she was crying she failed the quiz because she didn't fully understand. And at this moment, she needed Raboni again to teach her again and help her to understand that the tomb is empty. Help her to see that I have overcome death. Help her to see that a brand new day is here. He needed her to know. And understand that things have changed. And if you don't make sense of this new normal, if you don't understand what's going on, I'm, pre- I'm, I'm praying and I'm crying out to you. You need to call on Jesus, the teacher. Help him to help you navigate what is going on. Help him, Ask him to help you to see, Lord, what is happening. Because you see, when Jesus can teach you, then he can reach you. And when he can reach you, then you can reach him with the hand of faith. And when you reach him with the hand of faith, you make a breach in darkness and misunderstanding. And now you are able to see. And when you can see the experience, the situation becomes rich and it benefits you. Perhaps God needs to teach you again how to pray. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you again what it means to give. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you again how to smile. Some of us don't smile enough. (laughs) Do I have a witness? Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you how to read again. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you how to eat right again. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you how to handle stress again. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you how to take care of your needs as well as the needs of your family. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you again that storms will come. That storms will be there. But as long as I'm in the storm, as long as I'm there, it doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the struggle. It doesn't matter the challenge. But I can rise up and tell the storm to be quiet. Perhaps Jesus needs to teach you again. He needs to help you to see that the tomb is empty. I've been struggling with a toothache since March. And to compensate for this toothache, I've had to chew on my right side. Last Wednesday, I went to see a dentist. And she checked my teeth by beating on my teeth. And she, did, she identified that I had a, a root infection. Root infection means root canal treatment. She said to me, sir... I don't know the extent of the infection so allow me to drill into your tooth without anesthesia to figure out the extent of the <laughs> the infection ah <laughs> let's just say that uh, pastor Henry was shaking at the knees <laughs> but he didn't want to look shaken so he said do what you got to do doctor <clears throat> so she started to drill to to drill and man, I started to sing. Mm, mm, ah! So she says, "Oh, I think now the root is really bad. We need to put, I need to inject you with anesthesia." And so she injected me with anesthesia, and she went back to work. But as she started working again, I started to mm, ah! Again, and so she says, "You know what, Henry? I think your tooth is so bad. I need to inject anesthesia inside the root." Now, this is the first time that a dentist has ever done that to me. And so, she injected my root with anesthesia. And when the anesthesia greeted my root, it's as if a needle went through my root, my tooth, my gums, all the way to my bone marrow. Oh, it was painful. But she worked after that. And I didn't feel pain. And in our post-op consultation she told me henry you do not have to see me again for the next two months and today i can chew on both sides again it's it's slow but i'm getting there you need to understand that pain for the moment prepares a way for a better situation to come mary had to go through a weekend of crying and weeping for her lord because Jesus was preparing her for a lifetime of living you see the death of Jesus demonstrated that life was more than was more than was more than living 70 years and dying We think life is only 70 years, but I got news for you. Life for God is for a lifetime. (laughs) God wants you to live forever. God never envisioned for us to die. You see, death is the norm for us. But for God, death is not the norm. Because God has envisioned for us to live and live and live and live forever. Do I have a witness? You see, when a dentist works on your tooth and gives you root canal treatment, it's because the tooth still has promise and purpose. Let me say it again. The dentist can see that the tooth is still good for you to chew with it. The tooth is still good to be able to help you to digest your food. And therefore she'll do a root canal treatment because she sees promise in your tooth. That is how the resurrection and the tomb teaches us that God still sees promise. God steals a, steals a purpose in our lives. And therefore, He said, you know what? Rather than me extracting and destroying humanity let me go down there and do a root canal treatment let me inject them with anesthesia of righteousness let them experience what it means to live a life without sin let them see who i am and if they can see that it may be painful because they have to give away some things in their life it may be painful because things have to change but if they are accept and allow the anesthesia of righteousness to work correctly then i will be able to restore them and once i restore them then they can continue to fulfill their purpose do i have a witness hallelujah god wants to do amazing and wonderful things for you because i have learned what may cause pain now may actually birth a better normal it may actually look wonderful and amazing now you see jesus says to her she says to him rabboni jesus she's excited she's she's having a good time and she wants to hug jesus because hey what do you do when you're excited but jesus says do not cling to me do not cling to me because i have not yet ascended to my father have not yet gone up because Jesus saw that as the first fruits of the resurrection he needed to go and initiate the insurance policy that he had laid for you and I because by being the first resurrection from the dead it made it possible for you and I to also to be able to experience resurrection from the dead. So he had to go up to heaven and lay down the insurance policy so that you and me, when we experience death, we can also catch cash in. And so he goes to heaven. He says, do not cling for me. Do not cling to me. But I love the situation here because one commentator flabbergasted my mind and the thought started to dwell in my head. He said, when Jesus Christ was resurrected, he changed his address. He no longer, hear what I'm saying? He no longer lived on Jalan Bethlehem. He started to live on Jalan Heaven. He changed his address. So he told her, please do not cling to me because I have not yet resurrected to my father. Back home, some village kids living in the Kampung. They become big time in the city. They become lawyers and, and teachers and government workers, CEOs. And they forget their village life. It almost becomes like leprosy. They don't want to think about it anymore. They, 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 they don't want to think about it anymore. In fact, they don't even go back home to visit their family members who are living in mud houses and such roofs uh, roofs they they don't go back because they invest themselves totally in the city and they disinvest themselves from the village but i'm glad that when jesus christ left the village of earth he didn't fully and totally invest himself in heaven his heart was still invested in the earth and you can see that jesus is invested in the earth because in verse number 17 jesus says to mary he says go and tell my brothers that i am ascending to my father and your father i'm ascending to my god and your god we are family i haven't forgotten you I'm coming back for you. I love you. I will never let you go. We are on the same plane. I might be heaven's resident, but my heart for earth is evident. And I want you to see that God, Jesus, might be in heaven. Yes, He is, but He is invested on earth. He can see what is happening on earth. He knows that the earth right now is facing coronavirus. And Jesus is not up there saying, hey, let them deal with that. No. Jesus is in heaven right now and he's like look I I want to change the situation and he's thinking about ways and means to deal with this situation God can see you you don't have money God can see you that you're struggling God can see that somebody is sick he is invested in that situation he can see that situation and his message to you this morning is I am with your father I am with your God your god your father the one who sent me he cares for you he is invested in you he loves you he is with you he's gonna take care of you brother and sister do not lose courage jesus has your back jesus is with you jesus is going to take care of your situation so the lesson came to mary again oh my lord has risen He's no longer in the grave. He's no longer a dead man. He's a living man. He's no longer the body that I wanted. He is the body that I need. (laughs) What she wanted wasn't what she needed. But Jesus gave her what she needed. I don't know what you want, but believe you me, God is going to give you what you need. God is going to give you what you need, and if what God gives you doesn't look like what you wanted. Take courage and be happy because it's what you needed. If you lost that job, you might feel like you didn't need to lose that job. And I'm sorry that you lost that job. I'm sorry that you are stressed. I'm sorry that things are not working out. But perhaps what you need at that moment is not the job, but to remember that He provides the job, brother and sister. The Bible says God provides all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Whatever you have from God is what you need. Hallelujah somebody. You see the text says after she sees after Jesus tells her go and tell my brothers uh, Mary now she runs from the tomb and she goes back to the disciples not Simon and the disciple that Jesus loved. She goes to all the disciples and she stands out. She says you know what I have seen the Lord. I Have seen the Lord. Now notice. He was looking for a dead body. (laughs) The Lord did her one better. She gave her a living body. So she says I have seen the Lord. Now don't get it twisted. She didn't see the Lord. The Lord revealed himself to her. A biography. Is a self revelation of a person. Unless a person writes a biography. You will never know the person in a similar way God gives us a biography of himself and he reveals himself you don't get to see God you get to he gets to reveal himself to you and because she stuck around at the tomb she got a revelation of God notice she first said uh, to uh to Jesus she says sir calling him a gardener. That's the first thing that she did. She called Jesus a gardener. Then when she finally realizes that it is Jesus, he saw. she sees him as the teacher. But when she goes and preaches the message, she sees him as the Lord. She says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen not a gardener, one who watches my interest. I have seen... <clears throat> Not a teacher. One who teaches me. I have seen the Lord. I have seen somebody who is powerful. To break uh, the chains of death. I have seen somebody. Powerful to break the chains of death. I've seen somebody powerful. To break the chains of disease. I have seen powerful to break the chains of death. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the master of my life. I have seen the one who is in charge of my life. And I wonder if you have seen the Lord. If you have seen the one who is in charge of your life. I wonder if Jesus is the one who you know can change your situation she had seen the lord you know why because she stuck around at the tomb simon and the other disciple they dipped out but this lady stayed there weeping and crying and because she stayed a little bit longer she saw the lord brother and sister if you want to see the lord you need five minutes a little longer in prayer you need a little a little longer in study just stay there a little bit longer and jesus christ is going to reveal himself to you And my prayer is, as we struggle in COVID-19, as we struggle with this new normal, that you may see the Lord. She saw the Lord. She saw the Lord. And because she saw the Lord, he gave her a perspective to handle her situation. Allow me to tell you the perspective that he gave her to handle her situation. The tomb promises nothing can defeat your purposes, the purposes of the Lord in your life. She began to understand that God will make sure that no matter what happens to me, as long as I'm dedicated to him, I will never, ever, ever be defeated. Because if God can defeat death, then what is doubt? If God can defeat death, then what is disbelief? If God can defeat death then what is discouragement if God can defeat death then what is your struggle that he cannot defeat brother and sister when you look at the tomb it shows promise for your life and it shows that the purposes of God will stand true and firm perhaps you would believe Paul because he says it way better than me and he says it like this in Romans chapter 8 verses number 35 all the way down he says who can separate us from the love of Christ Perhaps you believe him better. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? He says, not in any of these things, because I'm persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Brother and sister, hear me carefully. If you have God, nothing can defeat you. Oh, Pastor, come on now, break it down. Because the way I look at the world, it seems like COVID-19 is surely defeating us. We are running in our homes. Mm -mm. It it seems like COVID-19 is wrecking businesses. In fact, experts are saying after COVID-19, people are going to lose their jobs to a whopping 305 million jobs are going to be scraped because of COVID-19. When you look at this week, we saw a man who by the name of George Floyd was arrested by the police lying on the ground and the police put his knee on his neck. The one called to serve and to protect was killed, the one they're supposed to serve and to protect. Surely George Floyd was defeated by police brutality and death. And it seems like that sometimes that we may be defeated in our lives. It seems like sometimes but my brother and my sister a momentary defeat doesn't mean a permanent defeat. Yes, Jesus was defeated by death for three days. But he's been living for 2,000 years. I see a mathematical imbalance there. I don't know about you. Yes, death might defeat. Disease might defeat. Struggle might defeat. But trust me, if you're a child of God, that defeat is but for a moment. The key question this morning, the key point this morning is that we need to look at the tomb one more time. Because you see, the tomb shows us that it's abandoned, but we haven't been abandoned. The tomb reminds us again that things will get better. Things are going to change. And that's why I ask you this morning, where are you weeping? Are you weeping beside the tomb the empty tomb or are you weeping beside a lost job are you weeping beside a deathbed are you weeping over disease are you weeping over doubt but if you can weep by the tomb it will make all the difference and I want to challenge somebody this morning. This week take a look at the at the tomb one more time. Possibly you have been running around like Mary preaching messages but you have never looked in the tomb. But when she looked in the tomb and she saw that it was empty. And the Lord revealed himself to her. Her perspective changed. It no longer mattered what she lost. What she lost frosted in memory. And she now went and she preached Jesus. My brother and sister, I encourage you this morning, weep at the tomb because it's going to make all the difference. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you. We appreciate you. Mary wept at the tomb. This morning, Father, we want to weep at the tomb as well. We're not there to weep, Father, but we're there to see Jesus one more time. Dear God, help us and guide us. In Jesus' awesome and mighty name I pray. Amen. God bless you, my friend.